is such a trophy of God's grace. And it all started with some of our men being on missions, doing community missions, and uh, and they they snagged old Otis with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Welcome to the Missions Pastor Podcast presented by One Child. One Child is a global community of child champions that serves children in poverty so they can discover hope and reach their God-given potential. We believe that the local church has the message of hope that the world desperately needs to hear. And in every episode, we highlight churches, pastors, and ministries who are working to bring that hope to hard places. I'm David Jesse. I'm your host for today's conversation with Dr. Frank Cox. Dr. Cox is the senior pastor of North Metro Baptist Church in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Dr. Cox works closely alongside the church's missions pastor and men's ministry leaders to provide opportunities for the men of North Metro to become actively involved in missions and outreach. I asked Dr. Cox to explain why it's so important for men to lead in missions and outreach. I think, it's, I think it's very important. The reason I do is because all you got to do is look around our culture today. We're living in a council culture. We're living in a culture where men uh, are being taught uh, all kind of uh, teaching for the corporate America. And, and so what we're doing is we're seeing a culture move further and further and further away from Christianity. Uh, in fact, the other day I read uh, a a uh, statistic that I thought was an interesting statistic. Kind of, it just kind of shocked me a little bit. And it said that by the year twenty fifty, that Christianity will be the minority in America. Mm-hmm. And here we are, a nation that was founded upon God, founded upon uh, religious freedom and liberty, and uh, and now they're telling us that we are going to become the minority. And uh, and the only way that that we can keep that from happening is to evangelize America. And uh, and I believe that the Great Commission uh, is, uh, is the command of God. It's where Jesus Christ, before he ascended to heaven, he tells us that he's going to empower us and, uh, and that we are to go and be his witness. Uh, and that we are to do it in uh, Jerusalem. It starts right where we live. And so one of the things mm-hmm. that we try to do in our church is that we try to teach our men that they are on mission every single day. It doesn't matter if they're in the marketplace. Uh, that's their mission field. Uh, you don't have to get mm-hmm. on a plane and fly halfway around the world and spend thousands of dollars when God is, has put you in the marketplace of America, and especially in this day and time where he's bringing all the world to America, that God has put you there to be on mission and uh, and to share Christ and to be his witness right there in the marketplace. It's there. It's uh, in our community. How do we touch our community? Uh, we try to get men involved and engaged in going uh, into our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we do it through various forms. Uh, we do it through... Uh, a feeding ministry that we have here at our church. A few years ago, we started our summer summer lunch program, and uh, and we we found that a lot of our school age kids that when they get through with school at the end of the year, they go home during the summertime, and there's there is a lot of kids that 
They don't have anything to eat inside those homes. They've been used to getting mm-hmm. their, their nutrition and their meals at school. And, uh, mm-hmm. but when they get out for the summer, they, uh, a lot of them don't have anything to eat. So we started a feeding mm-hmm. program here at the church for the summer. Uh, we partnered with Must Ministries. Uh, a friend of mine heads that up. And we will feed in the summertime somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, 10,000 meals to the kids wow. of this area. We just, we just partnered with a, uh, a group called uh, Satisfeed, and uh, we're getting that cranked up. And, uh, and we will feed somewhere between 300 and 800 families per week here in Gwinnett County, which is an affluent county, but yet the needs mm-hmm. are real and the needs are there. Now, we just mm-hmm. don't feed them and uh, hope their stomachs are filled. <laughs> we have people that are on this campus that uh, when the car comes in to pick up their meals, uh, we send them to a, a prayer line. Uh, we we wow. we have men and uh, sometimes ladies out there that they 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 say we ask the question: Is there anything in your life that we can pray for? We have found that question is never turned down. Okay, mm. or I should say, mm-hmm. rarely turned down. Everybody right, right. is going through something in their life. And so they'll say, yeah, I have this need in my life. And they go over here and we have, we have men that are ready to pray with them. Uh, and then we also ask the most important question in, in life, and that is their personal relationship with the Lord. And, uh, and many times we ask, hey, do you mind if we share with you? And they, and they say, great. Well, the open door to the gospel is the food the prayer, then we share Christ with them right there on our campus. And it's, it's fun for me as a pastor and, sure. uh, and my missions pastor, uh, Bill, is to, to watch this all transpire. Uh, and I, I look sometimes when I'm pulling out to go eat lunch or go to a meeting or something, I'll look over there on that day we're feeding people, and I see my, uh, my people sharing Christ with people sitting in the <laughs> and uh, we know we're meeting a need, but we're, we're trying our best to meet the greatest need they have in their life. And that is to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Dave, one of the things that we have, we have tried to hold to in our church here is this, no matter what a person's circumstances in life is, we always remember their greatest need is Jesus Christ. They, yes. uh, mm-hmm. they, you know, if the house burns down, well, their immediate need is shelter. Their immediate need may be food in their stomach. Their immediate need may be clothes on their back. But we mm-hmm. tell our people never to forget their greatest need is that personal mm-hmm. relationship with Jesus. So in everything we do, we're driving toward the gospel. Um, they're, the men are the key because, you see, if we don't win men to Christ, very seldom mm. are we going to win their families to Christ. Mm. But if we can lead men to Christ, within a year, we're probably going to see a wife come to know Jesus Christ, kids come to know Jesus Christ. You know, it's kind of like the Philippian jailer story in the Bible. Sure. Uh, you know, when when the, the jailhouse was shaken, uh, 
you know, uh, what's that song Elvis does, the jailhouse rock, you know, the night the jailhouse rock. <laughs> and, and, so, and so when the when the foundations of that jail was shaken and the Philippian jailer was about to take his life and they cried out, don't, don't do yourself any harm. We're all here. And then he called, what must I do to be saved? We want to create through mm-hmm. missions and through outreach that opportunity for that question to be verbalized, what must I do to be saved? And at that point, we say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. And watch not only that dead come to Christ, but also that the first thing he's going to do is gather his family and say, listen to what Jesus did for me. And his first witnessing opportunity is going back to his family to share Christ (laughs) with him. And so we get pumped about seeing those kind of things take place. And, man, how we encourage that among our men. That's awesome. Yeah, so how do you encourage the men of North Metro? You know, sometimes men want to be involved in ushering and greeting and and uh, you know, facility stuff and projects and things like that, but getting them to engage in missions and outreach, they'd rather sit on the, on the sidelines on that. How do you encourage the men of North Metro to get engaged yeah. themselves? Yeah, we, we do a lot of things. Uh, uh, Bill, like I said a moment ago to you, and and just talking about my missions pastor here at the church, mm-hmm. he is a great engager. Uh, he can stand in the hallway on Sunday morning, uh, one of the hallways, and as the men are coming in, uh, why I cannot get Bill to get up on a platform and speak sometimes. <laughs> uh, he is great at, at one-on-one relationships. Uh, hey, have, have you thought about being engaged and involved in this? And then what we do, we have a thing ca- called I Serve here at North Metro. And our goal is to get uh, everyone uh, engaged in missions uh, and that everybody can serve. Everybody needs to be on missions. And so in our men's area, uh, we have created what we call D groups or discipleship groups. And, mm-hmm. and we drive our men to be a part of a, a small discipleship group. They can meet at any time that group decides to meet. Uh, we study through material that helps deepen our Christian life. And we're convinced if we can get the men growing spiritually, the natural outflow of growth spiritually is to carry out the Great Commission and mm. to go out and minister and to and to meet people's needs. So we offer during the year uh, several mission opportunities. Uh, we we lead our people out in doing love beyond at Christmas time, where we give of ourselves to our community. And our and our people do that. The big I serve event we do sometimes in the springtime, and that is where we have all these different uh, projects around our community where we can go and we can help those ministries, engage in those ministries, and uh, and be able to share the gospel as we are engaging in those different uh, community events or or uh, uh, schools and and things like that. Another thing that we do, uh, I've been chaplain at Collins Hill High School here uh, near our church for 25 years for their football program. Well, the door opened up for me to get my foot in there. And like any good pastor, once you get your foot (laughs) securely planted, especially in a public school, 
Then you sure. turn around to your men and say, come with me. And so yep. my job is that every Friday morning at 630, I preach to the football team. Uh, mm-hmm. Every Friday afternoon, we have our men and some women there to feed the football team that our church provides the meal for. Every Friday afternoon, I preach again to the whole football team. Uh, I'm with them on Friday nights, but not only am I with them on Friday nights, uh, we probably have somewhere in the neighborhood of about 15 or 20 of our lay people and mostly men that are serving right. in the concession stand area. And, oh, that's awesome. And they, they let moms and dads go watch their kids play football and play in the band. We feed, uh, we run the concession stands. And we we have identification on us that we're from North Metro Baptist Church. And so when right. people ask us, why do y'all do this? We're free at that point to share the gospel with them. Now, sure. let me tell you how this works. Several years ago, we on the visitor side of our stadium, a group of my men, about eight men, had been running that concession stand. Okay, That's their mission. That's their ministry. So I go over there one day because the leader of that group, man, he can cook some bad ribs. I mean, real good ribs. (laughs) And so before the game starts, I go over there and I get my my ribs, you know. And uh, and so I noticed there was an older gentleman that they had recruited to come help him in that concession stand. And so I go in, I slap all of them on the back and – and I take oh, uh, the old guy I see over there, and I say, hey, man, my name's Frank Cox. What's your name? Well, I'm wearing a coach's outfit, all right, the coach's clothing. And uh, never said I'm pastor of the church. I said, my name's Frank Cox. Hey, man, what's your name? Mm-hmm. He said, my name is Otis. And that's all I got out of him, Otis. And so Otis, when I walk out, he say, who is that guy? And my men say, oh, that's our pastor. That's your pastor? Yeah, that's that's our pastor. (laughs) So every Friday night at a home game, our guys would bring a Otis with them to work the concession stand. And so over a period of about five, six years, every Friday Mm -hmm. night, Otis helping our guys in the concession stand. Then Otis came to church one Sunday, and Otis heard the gospel. Otis got saved. I baptized Otis. Now, let me tell you Otis' story. He couldn't get past two of our men, a guy by the name of Tom Spinks, and uh, the other guy's name was Mitchell. And he couldn't get past that they would take an interest in him, that they cared about him. That every mm-hmm. Friday night, they wanted to make, they'd go by and pick him up and bring him with them. They wanted to make sure he's taken care of. They wanted him to be around godly men. So the night I baptized Otis, I told a little bit about Otis's story. Otis fought in Vietnam. Wow. Otis spent six to seven years in the Hanoi Hilton as a prisoner. And he said the only thing that kept his sanity during that time was that every now and then he would think about some Christmas song that Hmm. he remembered from his past. And he would sing that song. Now, Otis can't sing, but he would sing that song. Uh, I'll tell you a neat story about Otis. And that is that, you know, there's a lot of times he wondered if God even cared where he was. 
And so through the men of our church on missions, doing community missions, they took a man in, they loved on him for several years, and he finally came to Christ. Then we find out his, his past. So this past summer, when the Southern Baptist Convention was meeting out in Anaheim, one right. afternoon, Mary and I, my wife and I, we went up to President Reagan's library up in Simi Valley. Mm-hmm. Beautiful place. So when we got back to our hotel at Anaheim, somebody said, well, you know, Richard Nixon's library is just 10 minutes away. So the next day before we flew out to come home, we went to Richard Nixon's library. Uh, impressive. Both libraries, impressive. So we're walking through Nixon's library, and there's a section there on Vietnam. Had to be. Hmm. All right. So then we see a whole line of pictures down this wall of prisoners of war and mm-hmm. Hanoi Hilton. So mm-hmm. I go up and start studying one of these pictures. And I told my wife, I said, Mary, I think that's Otis. Mm-hmm. And I took a picture of that, of that picture. And I couldn't wait to get back to Otis. And, <laughs> and so I, Mary took pictures of other pictures down that wall of Hanoi Hilton. So I come to Otis the next Sunday at church and said, Otis, is this you? No, that's not me. And so Mm -hmm. Mary comes up and said, Otis, look at these other pictures. And so about third picture in, Otis said, that's my cellmate. Wow. Two pictures later, Otis says, there I am. He's hanging in Richard Nixon's presidential library. He never knew that. And yet, Otis, he's here every Sunday. It doesn't matter if it's a men's event or a women's event. He shows up. He volunteers. He greets out in the hallway. He loves on people. Uh, He goes to the senior adult uh, mansions right next to our church here that uh, is assisted living every Friday and plays games, (laughs) elderly people. Man, such a trophy of God's grace. And it all started with some of our men being on missions, doing community missions, and uh, and they they snagged O Otis with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's awesome. And so that that is that story gives me chills. The best part about the story of Otis is that it isn't an isolated incident. Uh, These types of stories are happening all around Lawrenceville because the men of the church are engaging in outreach and missions. We'll continue our conversation with Dr. Cox after this brief message from One Child. Together we believe extreme child poverty has an end, and it starts with hope. Hope is a vision for a better future, a way to get there, and the courage to try. And it is built through the church all over the world, coming together as one global community to help children thrive. We create a partnership experience that reflects your heart for the world. Together, we find the point where our mission and vision intersect to address the needs of children living in hard places. 
Together, we are a community that sees children as solutions, not problems. A community with the courage to go to the hard places. A community that gives so children can thrive. Together, this is us. Your church, a shared vision, celebrating global impact through the local church. For more information, visit onechild.org slash partnership. The missions work that the men of North Metro are doing isn't limited to local outreach. I asked Dr. Cox to share some of the other ministries that the men of the church are engaged in. Uh, we do other mission opportunities as well for our men. Uh, we, uh, they, they go to different parts of Latin America and places like that. Uh, we've got some that go to different parts of our country. Uh, we, uh, I know brother Bill and I are getting ready to fly to Guatemala in uh, a couple of weeks. And we're going to be down there for about four days, scouting out opportunities for those who like to go to a mission field and actually, uh, do some projects and missions and ministry, uh, and help focus our church next year to possibly spend all our extra mission uh, experience down in Guatemala to help uh, build camps and everything for needy kids in, in that country. Um, mm-hmm. We also try to get all our life groups to adopt a mission project uh, where they can actually do hands-on. And that's, that's usually led by, by the men of our church. And so we, we, yeah. try, to, we try to teach our men – that missions every day, your own missions. Uh, every day, we're to reach people with the gospel. Uh, I tell you, I tell you one one thing, Dave. We do that. I I, I think this is this is great. Uh, about four years ago, uh, being a chaplain over at Council High School, ministering to the football team over there, uh, I thought. It'd be great if we just had what we call a night of champions. And uh, so I get my men's ministry here at the church to see it as a mission opportunity. And so we we set aside the fourth Thursday of the month of July. In February, I invite – I send a letter to every football coach in Gwinnett County. And and here – in Gwinnett County, football, high school football is king. And so, I mean, it's like college <laughs> right. ball, all right? And so we, we sent out a letter in February inviting these coaches that before we start hitting each other in August, why don't us come together for a night of inspiration and encouragement for the football players. And uh, we feed the football teams. We give them gifts. Uh, one year, The first year, we give them Bibles, every one of them Bible. And uh, you'd be amazed how many of those boys say, I've never had a Bible. Uh, And then we feed them, give them a gift, give them a Bible, and we take them in the auditorium. And the the program is very simple. We invite invite believers who are in athletics, especially football, to be our guest that night as a speaker. Uh, First year we had David Pollack. From game day, uh, he grew yeah, up in this yeah. area. Uh, we've had Gus Malzon, who at that time was the head coach at Auburn. 
we had mm-hmm. Mark Rick uh, this last time. Uh, Mark, and we just got him right after he was diagnosed with Parkinson's. Uh, and mm-hmm. so while the assistant coaches are eating with the football team, we have a, a real nice dinner for the head coaches. And our speaker goes in and just spends oh, time great. with them, answering any questions they may, those head football coaches may have, kind of builds a relationship. Then we, we go into the auditorium. And I sit on the platform around the table with that guest, and I interview them for about 50 minutes. And those those speakers can say things that the coaches say every day at practice, but the players don't listen to them. But to hear from somebody right. else that they admire, it takes on a little more importance sure. to them. And so we'll talk about anything germane to that personality. But at the end, I ask them the question, what is the greatest thing in all your life that's ever happened to you? And they talk about receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. <laughs> and so then at that time, I say, guys, won't you let David or Gus or Mark, let them know how much you appreciate them coming tonight. And the players, man, they go wild over them. And then I say, I want you all to give me five minutes. And I share the gospel. And we average anywhere from 100 to 120 athletes saved. We'll have anywhere from 800 to 1,200 athletes in the room. And we see those boys pray to receive Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior. They fill out the thing that we ask them to fill out, indicating that. And then what I do, what we do here is we we send back a letter to the head coach saying, hey, these boys on your team accepted Christ. If they got a chaplain that we know about, we'll send them a list as well so they can follow up with those boys in their setting. And we just see that being kingdom-minded. And, uh, oh, and so awesome. it has worked real well. We make a heavy commitment financially to it. Uh, and and the beauty of it is it probably cost us, I, I'd say, probably anywhere from fifteen dollars to $20,000 to pull off that event. Uh, I pay heavy for the speaker. We have money we set aside through our mission funds that provides other things. Bill goes out to the community. And he gets sponsors to come in with us to, to that want to see boys' lives mm-hmm. changed, and so uh, and our men, they serve the food. Our men give the gifts out to the boys. Uh, our men work the event, uh, and they they see it all as being just as much a part of those boys coming to Christ as me on the platform or that guest uh, we have that night sharing the gospel. And so we we That's see good. that we am I talking too much, David? Okay. No, right. you're good. Uh, Go. Other things we do is we do Kiss Hope USA, uh, where we have a mentoring program where men go into our community, into our schools, elementary age schools, along with some women. But we have a lot of men that do this, a lot of retired men, uh, and they'll go into those schools. And they'll be assigned a kid. And all year long, they'll mentor that kid. They'll help the kid with homework. Uh, they'll help them with their reading. Uh, they, their, their, their relationship building. Uh, 
you've got you got some of these kids that are coming from single parent homes. Uh, in our diversity, we have a lot of diversity in our schools, and so they come. Some a lot of them come from single parent homes. Uh, who that that little boy doesn't have a daddy he relates to, and so our men. Hmm kind of take on that role as they're mentoring that kid and loving on that kid, praising that kid, building that kid up, and that at any point in time that kid ask any question that's related. Why do you do this? Where are you from? Uh, as far as you go to church, uh, and we see these, they're able to share the, the Christ with those kids. Uh, we've seen some of those kids get baptized. And uh, all because of that, uh, we do a canned uh, food hunger drive. We do this four times a year. We're on Sunday morning. Okay. Our people are encouraged to bring canned good items. Uh, they put it in bags, put it at, outside the back of their car where they park. And our men go through the parking lot and pick up these bags and put them on a trailer. And we, we partner with uh, – the Lawrenceville Co-op here, uh, knowing that we're helping feed hungry throughout Gwinnett County. Uh, so, you know, uh, we do we do all kind of things to get our men engaged uh, in building bridges so the gospel can be heard. Uh, so it's That's awesome, and it's, it's fun to watch our men realize that God can I'm use sure. them. Hey, they they understand not all of them. Not all of them are going to stand on a platform. Not all of them are going to right. going to preach, uh, as I do. Not all of them have got the ability to sing, uh, which I don't either. Uh, but uh, uh, but believe me, my mission's pastor can sing when he desires to sing. Uh, and so, there you, uh, go. you know, they just see serving as part of the heartbeat of our church. And they want to be a part of being the hands and the feet of the master. And they want to go out there and just open up through ministry and serving the gospel. They want people to see the gospel through them. And when asked and when they can, they share what Jesus can do for those people. It is a great thing. It's a great thing to see. That's awesome. Now, let me flip the question a little bit here and and ask it this way. What would North Metro look like if the men of your church were not involved in missions? Oh, man. Uh, the lack of vibrancy. Uh, and I say that uh, generously. Uh, seeing men love Jesus. How in the world? You take that out of any church. Well, go into go into churches where the men are scarce, and there's something mm-hmm. missing. And I and it may be it may just be my conviction that 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 God created that man to be that spiritual force in that home and be that spiritual leader. And uh, there's something about leadership. Uh, leadership means you get out front. And you lead. And and these men, that when they get turned on to Jesus, there's something about 
the overflow of that, that their wives love mm. Jesus, f- kids love Jesus, people they influence love Jesus. And you, you begin to feel that vibrancy in a New Testament church. Uh, I think I think it's kind of scriptural. Thank God for women. If it wasn't for the women, uh, a lot of churches would have died a long time ago. Uh, but thank Absolutely. God that most women will f- easily follow men's leadership when they see men who love Jesus and are sold out to Jesus. Uh, you know, a prayer, mm-hmm. David, that I would have, Dave, I would have for my men. If there was a verse of scripture, mm-hmm. two verses of scripture, one would be, one would be uh, Jeremiah where God speaks and says, hey, I've got a wonderful plan for your life, not for your calamity, but for your well-being. I want to give you a future and a hope. What man doesn't want a future Mm -hmm. and a hope? The other verse of Scripture that I think I would love for my men to to emulate every day of their life is where the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Galatia, he says, if you want to know what makes me tick, here it is. I've been crucified with Christ. I've been saved. Uh, the life which I now live, hey, I'll tell you what, it's not me, but it's Jesus living through me, the one who loved me and gave his life for me. And if I could get every one of my men to live with that, that because of what Jesus did for me, it's no longer up to me to have to live my life. I just let Jesus live through me because I've been saved. And that brings about an enthusiasm, and you know what I like to say about enthusiasm is two Greek words in theos, God in me, God in us, what God is doing in my life, it comes out of my life. And so it builds enthusiasm in your church and uh, it provides the leadership that any church needs to move forward for the kingdom of God. That's how important it is to me. That's awesome. So if you were sitting down with the senior pastor, lead pastor of a church or a missions pastor or a a men's ministry uh, pastor at a church, and you were able to give them one piece of advice about how to engage their men uh, in the missions and outreach in their church, what was, what would that one piece of advice? I tell the key is most men would love to make an impact. Therefore equip them and how to share their faith whatever way you need to do that and then open the doors of opportunity for them to go and share. You know, if I can lead my men to hear Jesus say, all authority has been given to me. Therefore go reach, baptize them and equip them by making disciples uh, kind of our theme here at our church is we exist to make fully devoted followers of Christ. And so if I can teach my men how to follow Jesus every day in their life, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unleash a mighty force upon this community, our state, our nation, our world. We kind of want to touch the world from Lawrenceville. And, uh, and my men lead the way in doing it. I just, I just tell equip them on how to carry out the Great Commission and unleash them. Let them go. Let them flourish. Let them run. Let them be the thoroughbred that Jesus Christ saved them to be.
Dr. Cox is so passionate about seeing men lead North Metro Baptist Church in evangelism, missions, and outreach. Here are three important takeaways from our conversation. First, the men of North Metro Baptist are active in missions and outreach because they see their pastor engaging in the community in these areas. It's one thing to hear about loving and serving others from the pulpit on Sunday. It's a completely different thing when you see your pastor doing that at the local high school football game every Friday night. Second, Men want to be involved, but you have to give them ways that fit who they are. The men of North Metro Baptist picked up Otis every Friday night for five years and loved him while they served. Other men will lead trips to Guatemala. Give men different ways to be involved that fit their personalities. And finally, as a pastor or missions pastor, you have to equip the men of the church to share their faith. Teach them what this looks like. Help them understand how to have those conversations. Then unleash the men of your church who love Jesus into the world. And then just watch what happens. I want to thank Dr. Cox for joining me on this episode of the Missions Pastor Podcast. If you want to learn more about North Metro Baptist Church, go to northmetro.net. And thank you for listening to the Missions Pastor Podcast. The show is presented by One Child. We are a global community of child champions that serves children in poverty so they can discover hope and reach their God-given potential. To learn more about how your church can partner with One Child to bring hope to hard places, go to onechild.org slash partnership.